Drain the Glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tuns. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. <laughs> this is the best beer show on the internet. Yeah. When Brian remembers his name. <laughs> oh, jeez, man. Oh, jeez. Need to drink some more of this beer. Right? Yeah, get, get some of that thinking juice going. Yeah, that'll help. Uh all right. Uh, before we get too deep here and uh, do our ads, get that out of the way, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and the homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. I also want to give a shout out to our patron, specifically Black Belt patron Andy Thompson. Uh, if you'd like to be as awesome as Andy, head on over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. And if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, head over to blindedstudios.com, click on the Amazon link above our homepage, your Amazon shopping as normal, and we get a bit of a kickback from Amazon, really helps us out. All right, one last announcement here. Episode 200 of Homebrew Bound is coming up, and for that we want to do something a little special, so please send us your favorite episodes of Homebrew Bound uh, so we can kind of do something with that. Uh, yeah, so do that. Send it uh, Either send it to us on Facebook, Instagram, or to our email address at uh, feedback at modernstudios.com. That Instagram. Did the, yeah, the Insta man. Caught Grammin. Gram it, gram it hard. <laughs> All right. Brian, what have you been up to beer-related for well, the, past, the past week? Well, believe it or not, um, it is already time to uh, start brewing uh, Oktoberfest. Believe it or not, so uh, did you guys do an Oktoberfest last year? Yeah, and it sold it sold out like in a week. <laughs> it was stupid. I we just caught got caught with our pants. I, we didn't know it was gonna be that good of a beer and it, that it would go that quick. I don't know. Um, the cool part about the recipe was that <clears throat> we wanted to brew uh, the Oktoberfest, but didn't you know have necessarily have time to pull in a new malt order. So we just kind of went in the malt room and and uh. Put looked at what you had. Yeah, looked at what we had and put it together, and it worked, and it sold really well. So we're it's gonna awesome. we're gonna push it to 30, 30 barrels this year instead of fifteen. Sweet. And then uh, I, we normally use the for loggers we use the Weinstefaner strain, um, but I decided to splurge and get um, something new. Uh, yeah, it's it's not often that we pull a new strain into the brewery. We're pretty much, you know, um, Chico strain and Weinstefaner, and that's it. Um, we One of our brewers propped up a, a Pilsner yeast for uh, our Pillboy Pilsner. Um, but I chose L17 from Imperial Yeast uh, this time around. So Have you used it before? I No, I haven't, but I had a beer with that yeast in it and really thought it was pretty special a uh, nice fat lager strain um really pushed the malt nice rich malt forward um so awesome yeah i really thought it was a a, a cool yeast so i went went, went for it that's gonna be fun it was awesome though because some, some of the commercial pitches the companies that you get them from it takes you know seven to ten days because they prop it on demand they don't just yeah, they don't make have stuff it and have around, it sitting yeah. around. But I guess uh, Imperial Yeast must just churn through. Exactly. Yeah, they've got like four or five strains that are, if they don't have them in stock, it ships free. And I mean, 
let's be honest, shipping li- live liquid yeast, it needs, you know, it has to be shipped on ice packs and yep. shipped overnight and all that jazz. Needs so, some kind of cooling. Right. So uh, they have, yeah, like four or five of them, but I called up and they were like, yeah, we have it in stock. We can send it to you tomorrow. Nice. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I know we're in busy season um, with, like, what the local Hudson booster days and, you know, sold eight or nine kegs over the weekend uh, at that little fest. Um, but, yeah, it is full-on busy season. It is festival season. Um, we'll talk about it more when we get into August and that, but we'll we'll be going to the Great Taste of the Midwest again, which is the second biggest festival in the country, so I'm pretty Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that big. Yeah, it's huge. I kind of tend to go all out for that when I really like that festival quite a lot. Is that one you actually go to? That is one I actually... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe we haven't talked about that on the air. Brian is old and burnt out on beer festivals. (laughs) (laughs) I can can handle it for about 30 minutes. Uh, When we did that freaking float, I stayed the whole time, too. Uh, That was really fun. I don't know... Why it was at a campground? Well, yeah, and, it's, it, like, and it sang, sounded like it was pretty chill. Like it was really right. chill, and when I got tired of beer, there was a, a bar to go get our liquor <laughs> at. So uh, <laughs> there was that, right? But uh, yeah, that's about it. I should probably save something for the next episode. Right? Okay. Casey, um, let's see. I, I mean, geez, since last episode, uh, honestly, not much. I went. I spent the entire time in the woods camping since last uh, time yep. we. Well, yeah, because we just record the last time we recorded was Thursday. Yeah, it's and then Sunday today, yeah, so. and then I went camping. Uh, with with Petey, um, and yeah, that was that's that's honestly like it. Like I haven't I haven't been to a brewery. I haven't. Oh, I I will say this. I had a um, a left hand beer on nitro. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's it, the name is escaping me, but it was like a it was like a cream ale with berries on nitro. Berries and cream, berries and cream. <laughs> I don't think that's what it Are was. Are you talking called, about the one at Bar- that's on at Barker's right now? It might be on at Barker's. I had yeah. it at uh, at uh, Mad ha- Mad Capper. Mad Capper. Yeah. And Stillwater. And Stillwater. Yeah. It was really good. I liked it. It was. I'm pretty sure that it's on tap at Barker's right now. There was some weird nitro berry. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be like, it. And well, it. I don't. I think if it wasn't on nitro, I wouldn't have liked it as much. But like it, yeah. that, that softened the flavor just enough where mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, this is like a this is like a creamy berry like shake instead of just in your face berries. Yeah, nitro is tough. Uh, we do nitro at the brewery, and I'd say like a quarter of the time, you're, you 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 kind of miss miss the mark a little. Miss bit. the mark a little. Yeah, it's uh, like which way? Like it's not. Not at not enough. Not enough. Okay. Yeah. Too too much CO two. So you know, I think the the problem is you've got to pull it from the uh, the uh, bright tank uncarbonated uh, and then nitrogenate it instead of instead of carbonating it, it and then pushing and then it with nitro. Pushing yeah, pushing the nitro and trying to push the CO two out. So I don't know. Uh, it's it's its own beast of a thing. It is. Uh, we're happy to be able to offer nitro, and I think we've put some some weird stuff on nitro just because you can. So. You're like, we got it, might as well. Right. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, should we just kind of dive right into the discussion today? I don't. Yeah. Know I, I'll just we'll just get right to the right to the business. This is going to be an historical <laughs> episode. A little bit, yeah. Well, and there's there's some other stuff. So basically, we're going to do uh, we're, we're starting our yeast series, mm-hmm. and. Like yeast has kind of an interesting history in beer, I feel like. Yep. Um, it's definitely more like it's 
because it was such an unknown for so long, like it, it feels like the new ingredient still. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot, still a lot of, uh, you know, work yeah. going on. It feels like hops gets all the, uh, like is, is the flashy thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's like, that's the cool thing to talk about. Malt is the backbone of everything. Everybody knows about the malt, but nobody really thinks about the yeast. Right. I honestly, when I started home brewing, um, I knew you needed yeast, but I in no way understood how incredibly important the yeast is. I mean, yeast is important. Water chemistry is important. All of these things are important. All these things are important, but um, you won't have good tasting beer if you don't treat the yeast right. Or any of those things yeah. for that matter. But I mean, you can make passable beer without fucking with the water chemistry. We've proved that. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just the idea of, of um, you know, when, when the first kit I ever did was like the Northern, was a porter from Northern Brewer. And, you know, you got one, you bought one tube of uh, White Labs when they used to come in these little. Oh, in the vials. Plastic vi- the, yeah, vials. Yeah, Super cool vials. Like, I understand why they went to the new, like, pouches thing. Yeah. But the vials were cool. Yeah, I like the vials. But uh, smack packs, I I never got into smack packs as much as I got I into do the like vials. Smack packs, but yeah, I, you know. And then the idea that shit sometimes, you know, five gallon batch, you need to pitch, you know, two even three packages of yeast depending on what type of beer you're making, and mm-hmm. you know, it like, uh, I mean, unless you do a starter, that's a different story. But <clears throat> anyway, yeah. 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 So this series, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into yeast um, because I feel like in order to get a good fermentation. Uh, you need to understand how yeast works um, and what yeast is. And then we're also going to, um, like, on that, where this is going to tie directly into a lot of, like, good fermentation practices and just kind of the basics of fermentation. So today we're going to kind of do a rundown of, like, the history of yeast and how we figured out where where it needed to be and then just kind of run down the, what, uh, seven basics of, or, like, fermentation basics. Like and just do a quick overview. These each of these will probably get an episode or more uh, right. in the, in the future. This is just kind of a big overview of where we're going in the next uh, few weeks. And there's going to be some breaks in there with some other stuff. Yep. But it's kind of the new 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 series. Well, how many episodes until two hundred? Ah, uh, five or six. Okay, well that'll go quick. Certainly. Oh yeah, no, I I have all that planned out. Mm-hmm. I I know what I know all the episodes leading up to two hundred. Actually, no, it's not even that much. Hang on, I I can get you the exact number. This is a complete derail. But <laughs> all right, till two hundred. So this is episode one ninety seven. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. But so. yeah. <laughs> Already. So not even that many. All right. Cool. So yeast. Um, so yeah, it's been it's always been there, right? Always been there, but nobody knew it existed. Like even like going back to you know what is it? Ancient Mesopotamians were the first or mm-hmm. credited with the first people to uh, to ferment a beverage. Uh, I think it was beer or some sort of simple beer or maybe a wine. But so going back that all the way back then, and then they just knew that if they did if they put the things. In these vessels and like set them somewhere like open air, uh, th- magic would happen and fermentation would start. Right. 
Um, and so, um, depending on the culture, they either thought it was something in their vessels themselves and how they were made, or it was something with the air, or like uh, the gods would bless their would bless their vessel or something. And so they would they would pass the utensils and would be Ninkasi, right? Would be the yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that would be the Roman god. The Roman god. Yep. Uh, in, in Greek Greece, it would be uh, what was it uh, Dionysus and mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So they would they would literally just pass the the vessels and the utensils down through the generations. Some of them being like, okay, this is how we don't know how, but the, you use these things and right. then you get the beer. Like if you stir it with this stick seventeen times in a clockwise direction. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, and even like the Reinheitsgebot, boat, which everybody talks about, the German purity, beer purity law, uh, didn't mention yeast at nope. first. Did not. Um, and then in 1680, so we're, you know, we're multiple thousands of years of beer being brewed. And then 1680, uh, Anton van Leeuwenhoek. Let's go with Lowenhoek. Lowenhoek? Is that what it is? <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, all right. I was reading it and saying it in my head while you were blabbering there. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you do want do you want to tell us about Lowenhoek? I'll tell you all about I'll tell you all about Lowenhoek. Uh, so, in 1680, Anton von Lowenhoek he first observed ab- ab- that observed yeast in beer. <laughs> <laughs> then that's it. No, I'm just joking. Uh, he didn't realize that it was alive. Uh, he uh, he thought it was through to be the result. It was uh, okay. So uh, did you misspell something? Yeah, I did. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So um. So yeah. So he was. I I made I made notes on this, and then Brian is trying to infer what I meant by the, through my notes. Uh, just so. Or, anyway, so it, it was it was thought um, yeast was thought to be um, the result of a chemical reaction. Of air mixing with the wart. Oh, I see. And so he didn't realize it was an actual live thing. He thought it was just a a thing that came about came about because of the way that the air reacted with the wart. And that and that process, that uh, mixing of the air and the a wart, good guess. caused caused fermentation. Yeah, which which makes sense because they were pro- uh, he probably figured okay, so the more uh, air that you add at the beginning, the faster that. Will go, which is true. Which is true, right? Because true. as you oxygenate the war, you're going to get the yeast a better environment to start in. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the oxygen piece later. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he was he was on the right track, but not quite there. Uh, but again, it was 1680. He had probably more th- important things to worry about, like living, um, and you know, make <laughs> right. Well, here's what I learned. I learned that I shouldn't try to read a sentence that I hadn't read before. <laughs> because I, the 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 misspelled word I would have gotten via context clues. Yep. Anyway, moving on to 1789. I'm gonna tackle this name. Antoine, okay. Antoine Laurent Lavoisier. You want to just kind of go with that one then? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna do what I said I shouldn't do. Okay. Now. So so Antoine Laurent Lavoisier described. The chemical nature of fermentation as the process of sugar becoming CO2 and alcohol. Uh, there is, at this point in 1789, there is still no connection between the yeast and the process. So it looks to me by this that Lavoisier thought, you know, it was just magically, sugar just magically became CO2 and alcohol, and there 
he didn't understand that there was still an X factor. Yep. Yeah. So a hundred years have passed since mm-hmm. since Anton didn't hit stuff, and then Tony comes up and he's like, uh-huh. oh, no, 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 you don't understand. It is the sugar becoming these two things. <laughs> <laughs> it I mean, is beautiful. Yeah, he was again. He was close. He was close. Like the, the and it's just all these incremental steps. And I mean, only a hundred years passed between this point, and it was thousands of years to get to here. Right. This, so this, this is, is it's a rapid it snowball. Blows effect. my mind that you know. Well, so then in the next section, mid eighteen hundreds, our our hero. Yep. Or um, we should get a we should get a, like a poster of him somewhere or something. Oh, maybe like a tat- bust. maybe tattoos, man. Right. Get tattoo of Louis uh, Pasteur. Of Louis Pasteur. Yeah. Um, he uh, he uh, established that yeast was a living microorganism. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody knows Louis Pasteur from multiple things. Uh, the pasteurization uh, mm-hmm. process, you know, named after him. But he was uh, yeah he he was the one. Who discovered that yeast was a living microorganism, and he just like he like he, pasteurization, all that came about because he was researching beer. Pasteurization. Yeah, pasteurization. You were saying. Isn't that what I said? You were saying pa- I don't know. Anyway, Didn't, listen to it later. <laughs> okay. What was I saying? Pasteurization, I think. Oh. Okay. I don't, whatever. Yeah, who cares? Anyway, but yeah, it was Pasteur. He was able. What do they call it? it? Was the gooseneck experiments? Yes. Was the the. Experiment can can you explain the gooseneck? No, I cannot. Go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you, had, you had the name. <clears throat> I did, but I mean, I'm, I'm just using, again, context clues. I think that it probably was a glass implement uh, that looked like a gooseneck, and then he tried to do fermentation in it. Yeah, so um, basically what he did is he took, uh, or he made a, a thing where air would be, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a narrow opening, that would allow air in, but no nothing else. So like oxygen could, could still get in, uh, but none of the like the microorganisms, right? So and then he would put water in there, and then it wouldn't ferment, disproving that air was what was causing the the uh, the fermentation. The fermentation, yeah. right? So and okay, swan neck. Swan neck. Yeah, I guess I. It was a up. bird. Whatever. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I knew the name. I guess I didn't. I probably haven't read about this in quite a while, so there you go. Yep. So we have we have that happening in the mid 1800s, so like you know 1850, 1860, somewhere in there. Uh, I don't have the exact date. Oh, what did they? It was eight. I don't know. I've heard 1859. I've heard 1879. I suppose it's just a Google away, but yeah. Um, but that doesn't matter. So he opens up this floodgate and. Brewers are, yeah, no, they're not the most. They didn't adopt the damn thermometer for like a hundred years. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not the most open-minded uh, people at this time, as far as like a scientific method or anything like that. Uh, but uh, there was one brewery, uh, the Carlsberg Brewery in Denmark, uh, and they were putting money into this this yeast thing. They're like, this is a good idea. Let's 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 focus on this. And then in 1883. Um, Emil Christian Hansen uh, isolated the first lager yeast stain, strain, uh, Saccharomyces Carl, Carlsbergensis. Carlsbergensis. Bergensis. Okay. You got Sac- it. Yeah. yeah. Sa- <laughs> uh, A.K.A. Saccharomyces pestorianus. That's, that's the current name, I That's think. what they yeah. call it now. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm again not sure why about that. We could get into that later. Um, but yeah, so that like and that kickstarts what we I mean, just kind of the snowball effect of how we get to modern yeast today, where they started isolating the different strains and uh, you know building up the ones that they wanted and getting rid of the ones that they didn't. And it's it's amazing in this what two hundred year period, we go from knowing nothing to to isolating un, yeah to isolating it and understanding what's doing what, which I find absolutely fascinating. Like the history of this is great. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? Nope. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the history of yeast. Let's talk about good fermentation basics because that's. Understanding yeast is really one part of this, and the only reason we want to understand yeast is because of this, right? We want good fermentation. Right. Uh, so for the yeast, the first thing, uh, you need good yeast health. You need a proper pitch rate. Um, you need to choose the right strain mm-hmm. uh, for what you're trying to do, uh, and then you need to know how to make that strain happy. Right. Um, and then you need enough sugars in your uh, in, in your wart um, and the right kinds of sugars too you don't you can't have too many simple sugars you can't have too many long chain sugars mm-hmm. like you need to ride that balance and we've talked a little bit about that um, with our malt <clears throat> yep. uh, with our malt series well yeah I mean yeast <clears throat> in, essentially yeast are, are lazy it's uh, it's someone made the uh Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Someone made the analogy that yeast, they like to, you know, party and then go to sleep, essentially. So, you know, they eat and then process, you know, this these starches and sugars. Um, and they always want to go for the smallest ones. That's why, you know, when we talked about making good double IPA, uh, kind of the, in my mind, the key or the secret to that is, a, you know, a simple sugar like table sugar corn sugar something like that because those are the simple ones and you're you're certain to have a nice dry beer but with a high alcohol but also plenty of long chain sugars left over for body so uh, you're not sitting on a you know a thin boozy thing so uh as far as <clears throat> another thing about pitch rate is that um you're you're looking at Generally, if you're if you're making an ale, you know you could use two packages of Y yeast, yeah, or a one liter starter, or a one liter starter, or if you're making a lager, I mean, you'd want to go with three, four, yeah, but double it. Usually, just a good rule of thumb, just double it. Um, and we'll get yeah, we'll we'll dig more deeper into, into more, but yeah, yeah, just as a good overview, that's a good like just rule of thumb, right? All right, uh, you want to tackle oxygen. Oxygen. So yeah, you you don't want to over oxygenate. Uh, too much growth will happen, uh, and it'll it'll. Why is too much growth bad? Like I mean, just like one one or two sentences. Uh, too much growth is bad because. I mean, it seems like more yeast is good, right? Um, you you would think that, but um. <sighs> It, it stresses it stresses the colony because what's going on is is it's called sterile synthesis and it you you need to grow the colony to the correct size not not too large um, otherwise it'll be otherwise de- they're competing for resources yep and- competing for resources is probably the most simple way you can put it um, and you don't want to under oxygenate 
or not enough of that growth will occur, will occur. You won't have a big enough colony to tackle. And you'll get you like need. a stalled fermentation and then mm-hmm. off flavors because the yeast will be stressed. And Yep. Um, there are some cases where uh, if you're doing like a super high gravity beer, uh, there's a window between like 15 and 18 hours into fermentation that bubbling more oxygen in can be helpful uh, just to keep, you know, keep the colony kind of growing um, so that it can tackle all those sugars so it'll attenuate the beer. Um, but if you're going for like a 5% beer, too much yeast, it's just going to just going to destroy everything. Um, you won't have... You know, you won't have the, the, the beer that you want, essentially. So it's got to be just right. Okay. Um, and then nutrients? Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, speculation on this, too. Yep. Um, you know, this, these, these nutrients have a lot of, fr- you know, fan in them, free amino nitrate. And again, too much of that isn't good either. Well, and a lot you're going to still get some of that from just the mashing process alone. Exactly. So you'll yeast are their single cell eukaryotic organisms. They need their essential vitamins and minerals just like we do. Um, you know, zinc, magnesium, and uh, you can definitely overdo it with the nutrients, and it'll cause off flavors down the line. Um, so. If we, like when we brew on a professional scale, if we're brewing 30 barrels, we brew two batches in a day, you would add yeast nutrient to one of them, but not the second one. Does that make sense? Like you would, if you're brewing two times, like say, say if you were brewing, you had a 10 gallon fermenter and you brewed five gallons and then another five gallons. Oh, and into the same fermenter. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, okay. You're yeah, not, that makes sense. Maybe only want to put yeast nutrient in one yeah time just once and then one set, yeah. well and at the homebrew level I, I i've never really used yeast nutrient and that might be something i learned like that during this process which is kind of what happened where i'm right. doing shit wrong so i just always did because it was another product staring at me that <laughs> you're like, like oh, this is another thing i should probably use that right i and see i i i come from the other aspect of it where i'm like oh that's another thing i have to add in my beard damn it like, but ah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, all right. So, fermentation vessel. We'll we'll get into uh, a section or uh, a thing on this because this is really interesting to me. The the amount or how the size and shape of your fermentation vessel affects your your fermentation. Mm-hmm. Um, like a a large wide vessel will um, ferment differently than like a narrow one. And if it's, it's called a aspect ratio. <clears throat> Yes. So you're you're the if you look at a conical fermenter, those are designed exactly how they should be for fermentation. And one piece to the fermentation vessel is that if you get too narrow and too tall, uh, you're going to cause you know the there's so much weight crushing those yeast down in the cone, and it gets smaller, so it's less area to spread out to kind of take the brunt of. Of the weight, the sheer so weight of the wort, like it's a autolysis yeah. or something, right? Yeah, correct, it'll okay. cause autolysis. So what what we end up with is, I did this, I did this one last week where, think about the fermentation vessel sitting on a scale and it's a hundred pounds, and then after the fermentation is done, it's fifty pounds, because you're off gassing. That's why you have a blow off tube. You're gassing off CO two so on a on a you know simple level. Uh, 
the beer just it just weighs less because it it turns the sugar into gas and blows off into the air and that is how we figure out uh, alcohol by volume too is by checking the weight of the sugar in the solution and then that's why the hydrometer floats up or down mm-hmm. so as far as fermentation vessel geometry aspect ratio all of that um <clears throat> trust your manufacturer because <laughs> you know there's you know, I mean, shit, man, I, I used to uh, ferment in buckets, in five-gallon buckets, and that was totally fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, going to, like, a, a conical fermenter, um, generally they have your best interest in mind as far as the geometry. Well, goes. and, like, so, the vo- like, the shape of the bucket is fine at, mm-hmm. for five gallons because mm-hmm. the weight there isn't, yeah. like, incredible. But, like, if you went to ten barrels and it was a bucket, then that first of all, that's a really big bucket, and I want to know where yeah. you got it. Where'd you but, get that bucket? <laughs> Where'd you get that bucket, man? But like, it's just gonna go. Yep. Uh, so another another little trick uh, to fermentation vessels is if you do have upper and lower jackets on your fermentation vessels, you you know heat rises, so you can, you can get. Uh, that geometry is good for convection as well. Oh, okay. So you would what you would put more like uh, a little bit like uh, less cool like chilled water running through on the bottom and probably run the valve at about three quarters and then on top you have them fully open so it gets all hot and the heat rises and then they're like and then oh, it it's gets cold, cold and, and then falls they back go down, down so and that'll make your yeast give you a, around. a much yep much better uh, fermentation I used to I, I really wish there was I really wish there were little like portholes or little windows on the uh, fermenter so I could so see, you could the see yeast. it. Yeah, I used to love watching um especially English yeast like just fly around in the vessel. Like it's just sitting still and it's just flying around. Yeah, like, and just, just flocking crazy and flocking. Just yeah. So anyway, moving on. Temp right, control. Uh, temp control, uh that one we've talked about a bit. Uh yeah. super like yeast likes certain temperatures. Mm-hmm. And if it goes outside of the temperatures you can get things that you don't want. Right. And sometimes that's okay. Like there are like we, we talk, we talk, blah, we have talked about POF plus yeast strains, and generally mm-hmm. phenolic off flavors. Uh, well, it says it right in the name, off flavor. So you know sometimes those are desirable, and those beers are Belgians, ha- Havabites. Yeah. Well, and, and stuff we, like that. I, I feel like we say off flavor a lot. Like we should yeah. just say phenolics, phenolics, because yeah. I mean sometimes they're an off flavor, sometimes they're not. It's, right. It's all it's all contextual. True. So there are, and then again, what another exciting part about uh, the way you know where yeast is going is uh, you've got some new strains. There's a, what, a hothead strain, um, and that one. Uh, will ferment more cleanly at higher temperatures. So yeah, and I had that. I tried the uh, the tropical uh, the tropical ale strain from Omega, mm-hmm. yep. and that one was like seventy plus. It wanted to ferment at yep, and you get these like delicious like pineapple-y tropical notes. Interesting. And that that beer finished out like at like ten oh oh two or something like insane Whoa. like that. <laughs> it was it was stupid. Like it fermented out like a Brett. Like, uh, but there was man, none of that, that Brett character. Saison awesome. is the lowest I've ever seen or been part of was ten oh six, and it was a like a Dupont strain saison. So anyway, right. um, and then the final one is fermentation monitoring, and this one uh, we're going to get into a lot of manual uh, ways to uh, check on your fermentation 
make sure that things are going the way you want them to so you can make changes. Uh, the biggest one is like checking your gravity fairly regularly. Yep. Like usually if you go if you check your gravity every day, you make a little chart of how the fermentation goes and uh, once like once you uh, have 3 days of the same measurement then you your then your fermentation's done. done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think I think that covers the uh, the intro. Is there anything else you'd like to add or touch on? Nope. We can get get crazier as we go. <clears throat> All right. I'm excited to dive into some of this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be super sciencey, and then our dumbness is going to come out, and it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, if we're wrong, correct us. And if you, if I missed something, or if we missed something, or you know, yeah, which I'm misled sure. you. <laughs> yeah, let us know. We did. I, we're not intentionally trying to mislead you. Nope. We're learning with you. All right, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerstudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blindnerscoreninja. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>